I carry in my wallet uh, two cards. One's a card, vaccination card, and the other is a handwritten piece of paper. It says 2.29 p.m. And they remind me that I was somewhat unprepared for the emotions that I felt the day I went to the hospital to get vaccinated. I remember walking through the garage and into the hospital sort of feeling like I was going to be liberated. And as I stood in line behind uh, a man who was roughly my age, he began to share with me how for the last year he had been un unable to touch his grandchildren. One just lives in uh, Gambrels, the other in uh, Boston. He began to tear up. And I began to tear up because uh, we have, Kathy and I, have nine, ten on the way, tenth on the way. Don't know if we have ten on the way, we hope. But we have nine. And even though they're all local, there's many of them that, appropriately so, we've not been able to touch, we've not been able to hold. And it, it's just, it is so, I, I just wasn't prepared for the, the feeling that perhaps one day I'll, we were able to touch them again because I'm sort of a grandbaby magnet and they come to me and they want me to pick them up and hold them and it just wasn't appropriate. This morning's readings actually remind us about a few things about touch and what might be redemptive that comes out of COVID. And so if you look at the passages again, you first of all have Thomas. Now Thomas is what I call is sort of a uh, troubled touch. That is, he goes, I'm not really sure I'm going to believe this is almost too good to be true. He's called Doubting Thomas, and as you know, many years later, James, Jesus' brother and Thomas' associate, would tell him that a doubtful person is actually double-minded and is tossed easily to and fro, and it's not a particularly healthy faith. And hence, Jesus does say, go ahead and touch my body and my blood. But how fortunate are those who don't make this kind of demand they come instead in faith. It might be why we read very little about Thomas henceforth. Now let me skip ahead to when we read in 1 John. Now this is fascinating to me because this is John, who was the, one of the disciples, but this is plus 65 years later. People generally didn't live that long. And if he was roughly 17 years old when he was following Jesus, this puts him in his 90s, or thereabouts. And listen to what he wrote. I don't know if you caught it, but he wrote this. The things that we have seen and heard and touched with our hands. And the whole thrust of 1 John is that touch is still alive today. That's literally, I'm not going to get into a grammar thing here, but literally it's the grammar behind touch. The ongoing effect, we're still touching him which raises the question, I thought he ascended. What is this touch that he's talking about? Well, I want to suggest to you it comes to, you, comes to us in this passage in the book of Acts. And I call this the honeymoon period of the church. Now, some of us who sort of do this professionally wonder, whatever happened after Acts? Because you rarely see this anymore. And perhaps what might be redemptive about COVID is a return to this. Because if you caught carefully what happens in here, this is really exuberance. They have nothing in common. They're sharing everything. No one has any needs. They're not parsing out their tithe in terms of percentages. Now, this isn't what we call socialism. This isn't what we call communism. It's called, I think, the honeymoon period. And here's why. 
You see, these were Jews. And the Jews were profoundly impacted by two great epochs in their history, which were a, a humiliation. The Assyrian exile and the Babylonian exile. And the prophets who said you were going into exile in Judah and Israel is because you have played the adulteress. Isaiah said, your creator is your husband. Hosea said, you are my betrothed, which means to be married. And in that Babylonian exile, the prophet Jeremiah wrote these words. He said, as a young man marries a young woman, so will your creator marry you. In other words, in the exiles, God literally divorced his people and said, I'm going to remarry you in a new covenant. And this new covenant, I'm now going to be in you. And you're going to have a touch that you have not had to this point. And so, at the Last Supper, which we celebrated less than two weeks ago, Jesus says to his disciples, take, eat. This is my body. This is my blood, the cup of the new covenant. It reminds us, by the way, of a familiar story to most of us here, Boaz. Because most of you are familiar with Boaz, and he is called a kinsman redeemer. Kinsman in this regard. When he meets Ruth, who has lost everything, husband and the rest, he pays for Ruth's debt and the debt of all the relatives, her kin. So he's a kinsman redeemer, but he goes a step further because this is what a kinsman redeemer does. He marries Ruth and brings her and her entire family into his family. That's what happened on the cross with the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. These Jews who recognize what a kinsman redeemer does and a new covenant that is coming and marrying. It's Easter. And you see this exuberance that I believe is what I call the honeymoon period. Because in the early church, best I can tell what historians tell us, they essentially did two things when they gathered. They enjoyed a common meal together and they would celebrate the Lord's Supper the Last Supper. And in that Last Supper, they would celebrate the New Covenant, that we are now betrothed to him, as the Apostle Paul would write to the Corinthian church. We are married to him. And I don't know about you, but Kathy and I have been married 40 years, and our honeymoon is a honeymoon that, frankly, we wish would have never ended. But the thing that happens on a honeymoon immediately as two become one, is we don't, we don't own our own stuff anymore. We have no possessions. They are all our possessions. I've never had a bank account, she has her bank account. She doesn't even have her car and my car. They're our cars. And when we come as Jesus' bride, as the church, I believe in this honeymoon period, they're just completely exuberantly captured by, we're married. This is all ours. It's ours. We own nothing. And I wonder if we've kind of forgotten that. And I wonder if COVID 
could be, as David Brooks wrote in the New York Times about a year ago, our national humiliation. That perhaps we've forgotten in celebrating week after week that we literally, like Thomas, are invited by Jesus, put your finger in my side, touch my body, touch my blood. Because communion, the Eucharist, is understood as not only the payment for sin, but the renewal of the marriage covenant. Every time that we touch the Lord, we are renewed in our marriage covenant. We, the bride, he, our bridegroom. And so as you move to celebrate Eucharist today, perhaps the great takeaway, the great redemptive aspect of COVID would be a wider and a deeper and a richer appreciation that when we come as the bride and our hands like this to open ourselves to him entering us, that we renew that marital covenant. That's what I'm praying for. Last night we were with some of our grandkids, now that we're vaccinated and others are getting vaccinated, we were touching again. And I can't tell you the electric shock, the thrill that goes through to have roads and wind. Kathy's right there, we're both tearing up because we're just, we're holding one another again. The Economist had an interesting comment, and I'll close with this. I don't know if you read The Economist, but I do. And the week of Easter, they had a, they had a fascinating story about what happened to the church during COVID. And they said, while Zoom offers some things, here's the one thing it can offer. And you don't normally go to the economists for good theology, but they were right. They said, it's generally agreed the very real presence of Christ is not possible over the internet. And they're right. You have to literally come and touch to be touched. And so after baptism, as we move to the Eucharist, listen carefully as we talk about the very real presence of our bridegroom and we, the bride, coming to renew our marital covenant.